The revolution was about the people and the stories of the people and how much they were putting on the line just to be in Tahrir Square. They were risking a lot of things. So for me, the focus was always on telling the story of the people, the faces, the crowds, all of that. Hello and welcome to season two of the Art Persists podcast, a new series by Bosla Arts offering a glimpse into the life of artists and activists from all over the world, here to share their stories with you, the listener. In each episode, we feature interviews with artists who share their first-hand experience of using their work to stand up to some of the world's most feared dictators and regimes, and individuals working day and night to protect them. My name's Georgia, and in this episode, we interview Laura El-Tantawi. Laura is an award-winning British-Egyptian documentary photographer, artful bookmaker, and mentor. She's a Canon ambassador, representing the global camera giant's vision and passion for storytelling. Laura and I sat down together a few weeks ago to discuss many things, from her incredible career as a photographer, her profound images of the Egyptian revolution, the way that she's able to retain dignity in her subjects no matter who or where they're from, and much more. The one thing that I really remember is growing up, um, we lived very close to Naguib Mahfouz, the well-known Egyptian author. So I remember on early mornings when we'd be on our way to school, we'd see him doing his like six o'clock in the morning walk by the Nile. So and we'd all wave out the window. So I grew up with sort of knowing who he was, but then at some point I started reading his books. But I think the one quotation that stayed with me from his work is the one where he talks about home. So he basically says, home's not where you were born. Home is where all your attempts to escape cease. And I think it's a really beautiful way of um, liberating the idea mm. of home beyond just like a physical space of confinement or something that's related to a physical space and that's something I really like because identity and home is something that I really take on in my work so this quotation is very close to my yeah, heart yeah that's a beautiful quotation and, <laughs> and it is, it is <laughs> a really good point I mean home is also somewhere where you have to leave to also come back to Laura welcome to the Artists <laughs> podcast and thank you so much for being here obviously you've been part of Vosla Arts um, since before it even existed so it's it's really wonderful to have you here and you're obviously a photographer I admire so much speaking of home tell us a bit about your early life where did you grow up where was home and what was life like um, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be with you. So home, I grew up in, in different places. So again, the idea of home was always there for me. I grew up between Egypt and Saudi Arabia. My dad was one of the many families who went to the Gulf when there was sort of a, a boom in the late 80s to 90s. Lots of people going there for work. So my father went there and then my mom and I followed him, sort of breaking up the family a bit. My, sister was there, my sisters were both at university, so they stayed behind mm. in Cairo. So I think from early on, there was this idea of what is home and like mm. that you can be in one place that becomes your adopted home, but you're still very much rooted emotionally and by virtue of culture and tradition of, of an upbringing 
to another place. Yeah. So this idea of displacement was was always there. And then after um, Saudi Arabia, I went to the U.S. to study, and I was there for about ten years. So that mm-hmm. was a complete culture shock, complete shift in ideology and and everything. Yeah. And um, I'm now in the U.K. I was actually born in the U.K. I was born in a very small village in Worcestershire called Ronxwood. Um, mm. And when I was five months old, my parents went back to Egypt. Um, and now I've been in the UK for about 15 years. Nice. And how do you find living in the UK? <laughs> <laughs> it really depends on the weather. <laughs> so like a day like today, I'd be like, I'd rather be somewhere sunny. Yes. But um, I think it's, uh, I feel very privileged uh, to have mm-hmm. the option to live in a place like the UK where you could just be who you are. You can kind of yeah. like be completely invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really compared to my upbringing between Cairo and Saudi Arabia, where you can't, it's impossible to be invisible, partly yeah. because everybody's, you know, it's kind of a culture where everybody's involved in everybody's business. Mm-hmm. Um and people are really are really close and and just kind of engaged in what else is happening in in your life i think um in a way that's a bit overbearing most of the time but mm. um i think it's also a good balance because obviously as a woman and as a woman photographer working in cairo it's really difficult yes. not not to be um clear and i think compared to to here you know walking around with a camera is not something that people really care about mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of photography, I mean, when when did you first start being interested in photography? Was it something that you always were into or did it come later on? I mean, it depends. I would say I don't have a story where I was like really engaged with photography from an early age. I mean, I really discovered photography and storytelling with photographs when I was at university. So maybe like when I was in my second or third year in university. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's kind of late compared to other photographers. But I, I fell in love with it and I fell in love with the idea that you can tell stories with pictures, you can express feelings with photographs. Yeah. Because up to that point, my understanding for photos was you go to a studio to get a picture for a passport or an ID Mm. or, you know, family vacations. My dad would stand us and we'd pose for pictures. So it was a, you know, it was it was just like this moment of awakening for me when I discovered that you can actually do so much more with pictures. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love what you said about, you know, showing emotions and telling stories. And I think you have such a unique photography style and I was like trying to write in words what your photos made me feel and I did such a bad job of them but you do (laughs) you do in one photo whether it's of a person a, a crowd or an abstract photo you you do you you manage to like again I'm struggling but you manage to show emotion to show movement you have such a powerful effect and I was wondering in your own words how you describe your photography style I think definitely emotive impressionistic um, sometimes bordering on abstraction but Mm. essentially it's really rooted in people and in telling stories about like people and a moment something of concern whether it's a social issue an environmental issue this is what I'm deeply concerned about so this is always kind of like the 
the open like the window for me if I see something mm-hmm. that interests me around these issues then I'm really passionate about it and I think it's really important to photograph things that you're passionate about because when you photograph other things I just feel like that emotion and that connection that one would have with the work mm. is not necessarily reflected in the image. So yeah, I think it's it's hard to describe because I think it's a visual language that also developed over, over years. Like I didn't yeah. just start photographing that way. It's a language I had to kind of teach myself and explore and experiment and fail at and then do something and then fail at it again. And I still mm. fail at it sometimes. But I think essentially... You know, I grew up, the world is so realistic and you're surrounded by reality all the time and the the borders of what reality allows us to be. And I think photography for me is almost a way to escape that and to create mm. something that is really based on how I engage emotionally with the world. And yep. reality does matter, but it also doesn't matter in a way. What really yep. matters is that moment mm. and what that moment feels like. Yeah, absolutely. And did, who are your, um, were there any photographers that influenced you, especially in your early career or other artists that did? I think, I think there's always a lot of photographers that have changed throughout my career. I think early on in my career, I was really influenced by the work of like conflict photographers. Mm. So, you know, I remember looking at the first book when I was studying at university that was uh, called Inferno. And it was mm. by a photographer called James Noctway, who's really well known as a war photographer. Yeah. And it's like a really thick, massive, massive book. And I remember when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is absolutely incredible because this is obviously a concerned photographer who has made it his mission to go around and photograph these really delicate, sensitive and difficult stories and bring them to the rest of the world to inform them. And I thought, I always thought this was really interesting. Um, and, And I think this is when like, being a photographer that's concerned about certain issues is something that really resonated with me. But there's always different kind of artists and painters and poets. I'm not just influenced by photographers, to be honest. I try to broaden my influence to like musicians and all Mm. sorts of things. Yeah. And kind of going off that, that idea that you photograph, you know, people and socially conscious scenes obviously when I well when I was first introduced to your work it was through um your book in the shadow of the pyramids which includes some amazing uh photographs from the Egyptian revolution and I have to say I I don't think I've ever seen depictions of of the revolution uh like your ones I mean they're just they're incredible but they also just capture in a very artistic way uh, what I imagine to be the emotions and the different the different scenes from that time. Um, in an interview, you described it as one of the most overwhelming moments for me as a photographer and one of the most loaded emotionally in Tahrir Square. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about your experience, both as a photographer and also as an Egyptian during that time. Well, I think I think the reason that that was such a unique moment was because it was such a blurred moment for me between being a photographer and being an Egyptian because Mm. I was both. So it was really difficult to separate myself at moments where there were times I wanted to drop the camera and chant and and walk with people, which is what I did. And other moments where I felt like I have to photograph this because it's such an incredible moment. I cannot not document it. Mm. And I think that's what made it so special because I don't think I was ever and haven't really been challenged in that 
particular way in any other work that I've done since, mm. where I felt like I had to choose between the two. But I think essentially it was like the story of my generation, you know, um, a generation that grew up feeling really misrepresented by the system and feeling mm. like, you know, life, a better life is elsewhere. You know, life is not good for us here. A better life is outside of this country, which is a really, it's a really diff difficult feeling, I think, mm. to realize that you have to give up on family, turn your back on all these things, family, home. Um, memories and then move somewhere else and start a life elsewhere which is a really really difficult thing to do yeah. um, and I think people take that for granted people who haven't been part of that narrative they take that yeah. for granted they think it's easy that sense of displacement is easy but it's not so I think being in Egypt and being you know documenting that moment where people were really fighting for a sense of dignity and respect and just to be heard was yeah. incredibly incredibly profound especially given the risks you know that people were being shot people were being killed your eyes were being taken out by bullets yeah. so it was a really incredible moment and I felt very privileged to have the opportunity to document it. And it really changed my work because yeah. I had been working in Egypt since 2005. And then when the protests happened in 2011, I finally felt like there was a sense of urgency. Like now I know mm. what I'm onto. Now I know what I'm photographing. And it was really about reacting to the surroundings. So I can't imagine photographing that moment in any kind of different way, mm. you know, so that the movement, the blur, all of these things that you see in the images is really, for me, a very um, emotional, spontaneous reaction to the events I was witnessing. I was running, I was, you know, trying to hide, I was moving with, with the crowds. And all of these, this movement is very true to the moment I was capturing. And I, I don't think I could have photographed it any other way. Yeah, and you do, I mean, some of the photos are just so incredible. I mean, because you have, you know, photos of a huge crowd that really captured that that sense of just like how many people were out on the streets and then you have kind of much more personal ones where you just capture a face or an emotion and I feel like I imagine that's what it's like you know you suddenly just look at one person and you you feel this kind of shared emotion and then you look out and it's like you know millions of people on the street was there was there a moment or a, a photograph that you took that you can describe um, that has really stayed with you um, more than the others yeah, for sure. There is one photo, but I think just responding to what you said earlier, mm. for me, you know, I was also paying attention to what, how the story was being told, but in like other media, especially mm. in Western media. And I felt like it was really dominated by the signs that people were holding, like the Egyptian sense of humor, which I think was very important. But that's not what the revolution was about. Mm. The revolution was about the people mm. and the stories of the people and how much they were putting on the line just to be in Tahrir Square. They were risking a lot of things. So for me, the focus was always on telling the story of the people, the faces, yeah. the crowds, all of that and within that the one image that's really stayed with me is one photograph of a woman called Safiya. I photographed her uh, she was one of like four or five women who were standing outside the court where the former president Mubarak was on trial mm -hmm. for he was being accused of giving orders to the police to shoot protesters and her son had been killed um, and she was basically outside the trial on that day to see what the verdict was going to be mm -hmm. hoping that someone would get punished for her son's death and on that day the court decided that 
it, Mubarak didn't give these um, orders and also the interior minister at the time didn't. So she started crying and I have a picture of her where you could just see a tear coming down her cheek. But it's not a picture that shows anger. Mm. It's not a picture that shows frustration with the system. I think it's a picture that shows a sense of acceptance um, and even and suppressed a, a sense of acceptance of the moment, but also like a, a lot of sadness. Yeah. And I think for me, it really reflects in many ways the story around the revolution that, you know, people had to accept and move on mm. and know that nobody was really going to get punished for all the atrocities that happened in that time and they just had to move on life had to move on and i think sophia's picture really says that there's dignity in it as well yeah. but for me it's a picture that summarizes a lot of things about that that time hi i'm hussam fazula co-founder of bosla arts did you know we also have a magazine featuring seven artists from different parts of the world who are using their work to stand up to some of the most oppressive regimes? As a listener to the Art Process podcast, you can get 15% using the code T-A-P-P. That's all in capital T-A-P-P. Now back to the podcast. So Laura, since you since that book came out, and I should say that you actually recently released a tenth anniversary um, version of it, which looks absolutely beautiful. And you since you know obviously continued an amazing career in photography and also film. Um, you won the prestigious W. Eugene Smith Memorial Fund Award, and you're also a global ambassador for Canon. And we've talked a bit about you know how your work tells stories in such a unique way, um, often with a socially engaged lens. And I was wondering, what is it about photography and film that you find so effective for storytelling? Without a doubt, for me, it's um, about expression. It's a way of self-expression and really many different ways to do that. And initially, when I was studying journalism, I wanted to be a writer because I had a passion for expressing myself in writing, I felt like I could do it so much better than I can like speaking, speaking mm. about it. And then when I discovered photography, I realized that it's it's really limitless. And I just found that a really, really exciting way of expressing that with the camera as a tool, you could just use the tools on it to allow you to tell a story in a particular way. That for me was very exciting. Mm. But I think the marriage of words and images and moving images and sound all of that really excites me as a way to express something about the world yeah absolutely and i i love on your website you know you have the you have videos where you show your work but with your voice with music and it really it brings it to life in a whole new way so beyond looking at you know photographing people you also photograph nature a lot and you have these amazing collections of works on the sea and of, of different snapshots of nature what what's the relationship between the lens and and photographing the natural world for you it's an interesting question because um, if you ask me, I would never describe myself as a photographer of the natural world. I'm more mm. a photographer of people, but I think there are definitely moments where you can't help but appreciate um, 
as a particular scene that you just mm. see and it could be the light it could be something incredible mountains but the sea is something in particular that i have an affinity towards so mm. i love the sound of the sea i love seeing the sea at different times of the day i love the waves turning and anybody of water actually i'm i really gravitate towards it so that i think comes across in my work a lot but generally speaking i think it's just about seeing something that i really appreciate and i feel like i can't help but take a picture of this mm -hmm. definitely and as you know bosla arts is about sharing the stories of artists around the world, but it's it's also about looking at artistic freedom of expression and the kinds of challenges that artists are facing uh, all over the world. Through your experience and through your career, what do you think are some of the greatest challenges and threats for photographers today? I think it really depends on where you come from as a photographer. Mm. I think there are some country-specific issues and then there's some wider, more global issues. Country-specific, as an Egyptian, it's really difficult to be a photographer. I think it's always been, but it's changed through the years why it's been that way. Mm. I think historically there's been a lot of misrepresentation and a lot of photographers taking pictures of people, especially people who are in underrepresented and poor communities and then you know taking these images and publishing them in a way that's out of context that yeah. doesn't really show necessarily a sense of dignity so I think I found that before the revolution when I'd go and photograph people would be incredibly suspicious and mm. where is it going to get published and why and, and this and that and obviously during the revolution in Tahrir Square you know it was the most the most liberal time I think that I ever engaged with photography because everybody wanted to be photographed it was a mm. moment to celebrate there was no issue and everybody had a camera and then of course in the years after it became difficult again because of restrictions because of suspicions around photography mm. because a lot of issues around it I mean people would just take you if you're photographing on the street to take you to the nearest police station yeah and say you're a spy or something. So it's become incredibly difficult. I think now, hopefully, it might be changing again because I think there's um, a new law that recently came into place that says that you can basically photograph on the streets. So hopefully, if you're oh, on really? the street, apparently. I, I think it's, it's something I read. I don't know, again, how well-informed people are about it. Mm. Even the police themselves, I don't know if they're informed about it. But it became very difficult to photograph. So I hope things are changing. Mm. Now... Worldwide, I think there's generally issues with representation of minorities, but also of women and all of that, you know, that it's not, it's not all balanced out. And even mm. in terms of pay and funding, it's, it is a very competitive profession. It's an idea-based profession as well. And a lot of times, or sometimes people will take other people's ideas and present them as their own, which is mm. really unfortunate. So I think you still see things like that, but... I think the issues of real concern are more country specific like the ones in Egypt because these yeah. are the ones that can really get people in prison or in mm. really dangerous situations. Yeah, absolutely. And actually from our first magazine, um, we had a fantastic Egyptian photographer called Abdul Rahman and he he takes beautiful photographs of just everyday life in Egypt and he himself has been arrested countless times just for having a camera. Like you said, it's 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 hard for me to imagine here because you can take photos of anything and no one even looks at you, no one cares. Um, so it must be a, a whole different thing. Have you been able to take photographs in Egypt since? 
I have, but it's because I've been working on different issues. I mean, mm. um, I became a little bit disengaged with with the political story, and I'm yes. more engaged now yeah. with environmental stories. So, mm-hmm. photographing things around denial and stuff like mm. that, because it just follows the issues that I'm working on right now in, in my larger work, anyways. Um, so yeah, I have I have photographed there. And I wanted to just actually follow back, follow up on something you said before, and I think it's a really good point about dignity when you're when you're taking a photo of someone, um, because I think coming from a West you know Western perspective where photos were taken of subjects in different countries, and kind of used with you know taken without a this this lens of dignity and respect for the subject. What, how do you feel about that when you're, especially when you're in a different country and taking a photo of someone, how do you ensure that there's always that sense of like dignity and respect for your subject? It's always really difficult to be completely honest with you. I, for me, what I always do is I talk to people first. So mm. I will always do an interview or communicate with them first before taking the pictures. I try to ask a lot of questions uh, mm. if I'm in a country that's that I don't know about things that could be culturally problematic how do I say hello how do I do this do I shake hands do I not like all of these things to be as respectful as possible and not offend Mm. people from the get-go but I always ask questions and talk first and the picture comes at the end and if people agree to be photographed then great if they don't then I thank them and I move on but it's always quite delicate and difficult because you never know as you walk away, you always walk away hoping that you've done the best that you can do mm. and that you've represented that person to the best that you could do, given dignity, sense of respect and all of that. But I think that's also dependent on the viewer. A viewer might look at an image and say, oh, but that's not really empathetic or that doesn't really, that's not a, a picture that represents this person in the best light. But I think as a, as a photographer, you just do the best, that, the best effort you can do and hope that, that, is, that that's enough. Yeah. Have there been any moments in your career where you've thought you've actually not taken the photo, you felt like, I can't take this photo, or is it always something that's like just a natural thing of, I will take the photo and then decide whether to publish it? I've had one occasion in Egypt where I took a photo of a situation that was really, really difficult to witness. Mm. It was basically, if you remember um, in Tahrir Square, there were a lot of stories around sexual harassment of women. And I remember on one particular occasion where I was standing on these big cement blocks that they had on the street and I could see out in the distance this swarm of people moving together, Mm. almost like... ants or something just moving together collectively from one side to the next like dancing and going around the street and I was like what is that about that is a very strange scene and as they approached me and got closer I realized there was a woman in the middle of that crowd and there was a man basically holding her and lifting her up beyond the crowd trying to fight the crowd away and as they were moving closer I could just see the look of horror and shock on the woman's face and I made Mm. many pictures of that scene but I never used them because I don't know the story I don't know what was happening I didn't Mm. speak to the woman and it was just a really really difficult and painful moment to witness to be honest with you 
Yeah. And there was another situation where I was doing a series about families who lost a loved one in the revolution, someone that was killed or just disappeared. They don't know what happened to them. And after meeting about five or six families, it really became difficult because I've, mm. I really understood that I was re-traumatizing them in many ways. I'm going and I'm asking mm. them all these questions and they're opening, they're showing me pictures of their loved one. And it, it was just really, really difficult for, for them and for me to hear the stories knowing that I'm not capable of like I can't change anything about that yeah. you know I'm so I had to stop doing that series at one point because it just felt like I've already captured five or six families I don't need mm. to traumatize more more families to tell the story yeah that's so interesting and it must be yeah it must have been very traumatic and also being having being part of it yourself I imagine it's there's that sense of a collective loss as well of all the people who died. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the funerals, I remember going to the morgue when, to, when there were the but people out there with the families waiting to get a report or something. Mm. So there's been many difficult moments in, in that chapter for sure. But yeah, it was some, it was very important moments. I think for me as an Egyptian to see firsthand yeah. rather than to read about it or see it through someone else's perspective. And I think this is the privilege of being a photographer is that you have to be there mm. to get the picture. You can't just like watch it on TV or, you know, experience it through someone else's eyes. You have, you have to be there to see it firsthand. Yeah. So it really changed my impression of of things. Yeah. And my final question, um, <laughs> what are you working on at the moment and what have you got coming up? So um, at the moment, I've been working for many years on this series on farmers. Mm. And I just finished. Uh, so basically, it looks at the impact of climate change, but also specifically on country-specific issues that are affecting farmers. So in mm. India, I was looking at farmer suicides. In mm. Egypt, in my own grandfather's village, I was looking at overpopulation and how that is letting farmers sell their land or build homes on the land that they used to farm. And, you know, I've traveled around the world documenting this. And this year I photographed in the UK, looking mm. at Brexit and COVID and how it's impacting farmers here. Yeah. Um, so it's been a global story that I'm really committed to. And next chapter is hopefully going to be the US. Oh. And that that should be the final chapter, fingers mm -hmm. crossed. But I don't know. There's always another country that I discover. I'm like, I have to go and photograph there. Yeah. And um, working on a new book from work that I did in Malawi earlier this year. It was a commission with Water Aid, mm -hmm. and that's going to come out next year, and hopefully with with a book at the same time around March. And yeah, and then there's another book that I did during COVID, uh, Lull, which I'm trying to release at the moment. So yeah, just trying to stay busy. Sounds like you are very busy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, fantastic. And I really look forward to seeing all of them. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for, for your time and for doing Thank this you. with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to episode one of season two of the Art Persists podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Laura and her amazing work, please check out her website with links in the description. If you haven't already, why not go back and listen to season one of this podcast, where you can hear stories from artists, activists, and human rights defenders from all over the world share their truly incredible stories. Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please rate it and share online. 
Only with your help can these truly important stories be heard. Thanks a lot and see you next week.